This is Splice. Hey, this is Splice Pink. Pink is where we have quick conversations with people across the global media ecosystem, from media startup founders, journalists, funders, to all the tech, data, design folks. And that includes podcasters, much like Anupama Chandrasekhar. And Anu is a podcast host and producer at Newsreel Asia, and she's based in Chennai in India. And so she got in touch uh, literally today, I'm guessing, right, uh, on LinkedIn. And she said, I'm a documentary or audio documentary producer with reporting, uh, recording, scripting, all of that stuff, uh, working all around the world, uh, producing great audio documentaries. And I guess Rishad and I were just very curious about what this is all about. So Anu, uh, you're here with us, and I'm really just fascinated by the work you do. Uh, in a nutshell, what is an audio documentary, and how is that different from, say, a podcast? Yeah, an audio documentary basically tries to be very character-driven. Uh, the idea being that when we try to talk about topical issues, right, whether it is women's health or uh, indigenous rights, you know, sometimes it just kind of goes over people's head when we're just using those terms. And it doesn't really do anything to their heart. It really doesn't speak to their heart. You know, when you're talking about data, when we're talking about statistics, you know, it just kind of hits your brain and you kind of learn about these things, but it really doesn't move you or make you think about things. And an audio documentary, the way Newsreel is trying to do it is to make it character centric so that we look at broader issues, but from a micro perspective of a person who's telling you about that problem. So, for instance, we recently did a series and, you know, we have two more stories to produce out of it about Chandigarh. And we're looking at, you know, um, the uh, development goals that, you know, world over people look at for cities and things like that. And in this, in this particular city of Chandigarh, we looked at some of the malaises that affect people over there. So for instance, domestic violence is really high in the city of Chandigarh or drug addiction is really high. But we are not talking about it just on a, in a topical way. So we actually spoke to somebody who, you know, was a drug addict and, you know, spoke to his family and we recorded the conversation, taking us through some very specific incidents, which really kind of give you a taste of what actually it is to be a drug addict, you know. And similarly for the domestic violence story, um, I think both my colleague Shiksha and I, we were so moved to hear the whole story of this person who was telling us about what she went through, uh, despite being an educated lawyer, you know, who could have fought for herself very, very clearly. Uh, but all the details, you know, and half of the details, we were really kind of, we couldn't even listen to it because it was so tough to imagine, you know. But that's what an audio documentary is. It's being character driven. It's talking about specific people and what happened in their lives, but at the same time, looking at broader issues. So for instance, in the drug addiction story, we also talk about why is there so much drug addiction in Punjab, you know, uh, because of the golden triangle, because of the uh, supplies that come from elsewhere, you know, like Afghanistan and all these places are very close geographically to, uh, to the state of Punjab and things like that. And so we are looking at reasons and broader statistics, but with specific stories and having a narrative arc basically, which uh, which we don't try to make it out into a narrative arc. But, you know, coincidentally, everybody has a narrative arc, you know, which means that 
they go through life. It seems like everything is normal and hunky-dory. And then, you know, something happens. So, yeah, so that's what an audio documentary is. And that's what we're trying to do at Newsreel, which is uh, tell stories about our world through people. I love that description of the audio documentary. I noticed that um, is the one that you're talking about called The Haze Lifts? Yes. Yeah. Right. And and that's a 23-minute episode or is it a series? That's a 23-minute episode. Yeah. And uh, the one after that is called Love Gone Bad. Uh, and it's part of the Outvoted series where we are looking at, you know, uh, uh, specific states and places and talking about issues. So the previous version of Outvoted basically spoke about the Andaman Islands and we looked at specific stories. Like there was this one story of a Jarawa tribe in the Andamans. Uh, one person who chose to, you know, who, who was injured and he was hospitalized. And the Jaravas are basically um, um, uh, Negrito tribes. Um, so they are dark skinned, they have curly hair, and they don't really come out and they're not, they don't try to be part of our urban civilization, so to say, although I feel civilization is also a misnomer sometimes. Um, but they choose to be in the forests and they, they don't wear clothes. Many of them don't wear clothes. You know, they're hunting, they're, they're hunter gatherers. So they don't even farm or, you know, cultivate, um, and that story of how a road was built through their forests, you know, and how it affected their lives. And uh, while in India, we keep talking about British colonialization, right? Um, here is a case where, you know, we are the colonialists, right? Uh, and we are kind of, we have taken over the rights of their land and we are deciding, well, a road has to be built here and it's going through their land and they actually have, uh, you know, agency. They know what they want, but we, we, we make them out to be, you know, tribal people that probably, in this case, you know, we feel that they are more uncivilized and they really don't have a say in things. At least that's how the bureaucracy works. Some of the stories that they talk about, about particularly darkness, for instance, right? So there are stories, little, little stories about how when the Jaravas, if they have to give birth to a child and they come to a hospital, they don't like the light bulbs in the room and they actually unscrew them and they take them off because they live in the forests and they believe that, that those kind of artificial lights kind of dims their sensitivity towards the darkness. And that was also one of the reasons why there were stories of the Jarava tribes uh, breaking the street lamps on the road that went through their forest because that was seen as an act of violence by, you know, the police and the people who were making the roads. But actually, there's a very simple reason for it, you know, which is that these lights basically affect their ability to survive in the darkness in the jungles. And that's why they were breaking it. That's it's amazing just just listening to you tell this you know story it makes me want to go check out you know your your entire um, showcase of of uh, of episodes. How do you come across these types of stories? I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of work that goes into yeah. it. Um, I can't imagine you're doing this alone because this is a lot of work. Um, how do you set this up, and what kind of a team do you have? 
Uh, yeah, uh, I have to admit that it's it is quite difficult to find people to actually join you on this journey. You know, particularly because you're a startup, and uh, you know the pay is not probably that great. You know, the pay is like will be a bare minimum. And the second thing is, of course, to just just the whole process, like you said, to find the characters themselves and to find the story. It takes a lot of research. It's so much easier to do like a very broad-based story on, you know, lives of indigenous people and talk to experts who are English-speaking, you know, and do a story rather than actually find specific instances and incidents, which means you have to read a lot. You've got to talk to a lot of people over many weeks to actually find the story that fits. And then again, with that story that fits, you have to find you know the points the the plots in the story which will actually you know take the listener very well through the journey of the story right make sense to the listener as he listens and not confuse them so yeah we i do have one more person shiksha jural who works with me and she's amazing she is um uh, she's uh, you know studied media and she's been working with us for more than 8 to 9 months now so she's amazing and uh, of course, we have a video team which does work related to video. So that team is separate and they are, you know, again, doing projects like Mapping India, where they're telling stories, character specific stories across India through the video medium. And Vishal is the person and Harshita is the person who's in charge of this. So we are all together about eight to 10 people. And the video team also helps us with ideation and tells us, you know, hey, this idea makes sense or doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, finding stories is tough. And then, of course, it's it's a new thing even for me, even though I've been a journalist for so many years, you know, I've been a wire service reporter, I've written for print. But researching and writing a story uh, without a character-centric uh, approach is so much easy. Uh, and it is tough, but it is very fulfilling, finally, to do this because you feel like the message has reached across. It really touches chords. You know, and I think that, yeah, that is like, uh, that's that's the best part of, of telling these stories. But yeah, you're right, Alan, it takes a lot of research to not just find the character you want who will tell your story. So for instance, I'll give you another example. Uh, as part of the Andaman series, I got a little tip off from a friend who focuses on the Andamans that, you know, did you know that there is, uh, uh, there is this whole community of uh, cyclists in the Nicobar Islands. So the Andaman and Nicobar Islands are like uh, two large masses of islands with many small islands around them. Uh, and the Nicobar Island is actually closer to and it's actually connected to the Indonesian landmass of islands, you know. Um, and they are more Mongolide in the way the people look in the Nicobar Islands. So this friend of mine told me that, uh, you know, there are these cyclists and they are uh, international racing cyclists. And there's this huge crop of them coming from the uh, Nicobar Islands. So that was the tip off, right? Now, then I had to find out who are these people and how many cyclists are there. And then I had to find that out. And then amidst that, I found male and female cyclists, you know. And then I found there was one female cyclist who influenced a lot of these cycling bunch, you know, the people who came from Nicobar who wanted to cycle and become international cyclists. And then I had to find that one female cyclist's phone number uh, and connections in the Nicobar Islands are really bad. You know, the telephone connections. 
talk to her and she was very reticent she was not willing to open up uh so it takes a lot you know to actually get the story and then talk to her several times to find out her life story and what she finds as important parts of her life and then finally meeting her in in andamans you know that was amazing and the best part was and this is what i feel you know when you do a lot of homework and you've put in a lot of effort sometimes luck just favors you can i just sorry before sure. you before you go there sure. i just want to jump in you know i love this i love i love sitting and hanging out with you um you spoke about the message getting across you know and that that is huge validation for somebody in the storytelling story producing story gathering business right but i'm curious about that message um and we've spoken about the message but i'm so curious about your audience uh tell me who your audiences are in that you know who are these people like literally who are who is your listeners where do they work why do they come to you so uh for one of the series so it differs from this, from story to story and the series that we do so for instance one of the one belief i do have is that podcasts can be used as an educational medium you know uh and i certainly feel students and researchers and um academics can actually use it as uh, a tool to reach you know varied learners you know diverse learners so for instance one of the series that we did was about the reintroduction of cheetahs into india <clears throat> and after listening to that series i got a message from a professor uh, who's teaching at uh, a, a science institute in india saying that can i use this series to kind of uh, teach my first year students uh about ecology because that whole series covered not just wildlife it spoke about indigenous rights it spoke about does this idea really make sense so yeah so the, that was that really opened my eyes to like an audience because you know like you've mentioned in many of your conversations that i found online that it is it is a mass out there you know and uh as an uh, the internet you know there are, it's does you really have to target niche audiences you know and uh people may should be either compelled to listen to what you're saying or should be interested in what you're saying so when i write about fossils or produce stories about fossils there's just a genuine interest from a wide variety of listeners and you know people but when it's very science specific and things like that those things can actually be part of you know an educational curriculum you know and particularly for that series i made it a multimedia series so there were maps there were timelines um there were uh, you know people could get in touch with me if they wanted more information you know there were videos there were photos um yeah so it could somebody could actually just take that page and you know say okay today we're going to learn about the reintroduction of cheetahs and have it all there and guys listen to the first episode and come back to class and you know we can even have questions like the new york times does it you know with their um education arm right so that i certainly feel and then in terms of audience the other thing related to niche audiences is we did a series about autism you know and uh, actually the idea never came to me so the people from the community approached us and they said would you be interested because we want to be our own advocates you know we want to tell our own story uh so would you be interested in producing this for us and it was a no brainer because once we started interacting with them over google meets 
you know and we like although i know the term autism i didn't really know what it means how it really impacts these people so that's how that story came about and that found its own niche audience with parents you know with parents who want to communicate to the school that look this is what autism means they can also use the story and explain it to them so so yeah our audience has been diverse but for me personally i look at the education space as like a great space you know uh particularly because i've been a teacher and i also use podcasts to teach when i was teaching yeah and and i wanted to to hear a little bit more about that education space that the you the you spoken you know a couple of times of uh, uh already you were an economics teacher for about 8 years and i think that's spectacular um what what have you taken from economics from the school of ec- economics into the work that you do now you know is there a lens that that it provides you that you wouldn't otherwise have had oh one or two things one is of course the pod- that was one of the reasons i got into podcast because i loved this podcast called planet money and i thought you know the way they spoke the way they explained things and also just the interdisciplinary aspect of it you know they would do all these things like they would buy gold and they would like explain what happened to the price of gold you know and also the a lot of the live recording that they did like i think they were talking about the Euro, eurozone crisis and they were actually at a party where they were discussing things about the eurozone or announcements so economics has basically reminded me teaching economics reminded me that things are interdisciplinary you can't really say Well when I talk about autism I can't just talk about autism it's also about jobs for these people because one of the subjects uh that we spoke to is actually going to collaborate with us on another project because he's very good at languages you know he's very good at south indian languages and we're actually in the process of doing stories with community radio stations in india starting january uh and I know some south indian languages but he doesn't know so Uh, but he does so he's going to help us so it's about understanding that any topic isn't not by itself but it has a lot of other connections with environment with um with economics with the uh, the you know just the moral and ethical aspects of things so and that's how i actually taught economics too because i had my own syllabus when i taught the kids i didn't use the textbook and if you looked at oil markets for instance i would go from you know what was the history of oil you know how did this come about how did the middle east become so important you know uh, or if you spoke about the bitcoin who was this person why was it started you know what are libertarian you know philosophies and things like that so yeah it's taught me that things are interlinked and that is what that's how we can make things interesting for the listener by interlinking them you talking about money uh, leads me to ask how does news real asia make their money well we're not making money yet but we know how we fund it so our uh, editor vishal actually uh, does a lot of projects for other organizations whether it's video production or i haven't gotten into audio production yet because uh, i i i still need a crop i need a crew which helps me with that so those are possible uh ways in which we get funding uh the other thing we found is we recently got funding actually from the um, rohini nilakani philanthropies uh for our community radio project and one of the main things uh which i think also syncs with what 
you and Alan talk about is that are we giving back to the community what we are taking from them? So that was one of the reasons why this philanthropy decided to fund our project uh, was because the community radio was going to help us produce specific character-centric stories and then they could also use it on air on their channels, you know. So we weren't going to be, you know, having the copyright for it. They would also get to use it. Uh, they would get to translate. I would share the entire tracks. I will be sharing the entire tracks with them the way I have laid it out. And they can take out my narration and put in their language narration into it and publish it. Uh, and uh, so, so we got funding from the Rohini Nilikani Foundation for this, philanthropies for this. And uh, yeah, but largely through Vishal's efforts uh, of, you know, doing projects elsewhere with other NGOs. Um, and yeah, we're hopeful we'll get some other funding too. Uh, but the making the money part of it, you know, we've not had the bandwidth. So the other problem is, you know, you're producing content and then you have to also think about other ways of making money. So one thing, like I mentioned earlier, related to education, I really think that this cur cur curriculum can be sold, you know, and it doesn't have to be big amounts. So for instance, uh, if you're talking about, well, if you want to teach your children about autism, well, here are four stories that you can listen to, right? And, you know, 200 rupees, right? It's really not, it's not much. And I really feel that could be one way of funding uh, our project. But yeah, we have to have the bandwidth to uh, sit down and think about all this. So that becomes a bit of a problem, you know, figuring out the editorial part of it and the business side of it. Yeah. But hopefully we'll get there. Yeah. And, and it also seems like um, India has become this huge market for, for podcasters. There's so many podcasts coming out of India right now. Uh, we've met so many great ones at, uh, at, at Splice Beta recently as well. Um, is, is this space becoming competitive for you? Are, you know, is there a comp is there a competition when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, monetization, getting money from grants, getting money from foundations. Uh, is that becoming increasingly difficult for you? I don't know uh, because uh, we've just started applying for funding. See, the other thing is also we want to make sure we are good before we approach anyone for funding, you know. And now we are in that space where we feel confident that we have this content that we have generated and on these different categories and we are improving our work uh, and now we feel confident so I'll know I'll have an answer to this question in the coming months because we've you know one of the problems I also see in this space is that people uh, are very good at promoting themselves and then you listen to the content and it's not as good you know uh, or it's because I'm also a very very ardent podcast listener so I do prefer the documentary format. I do want the sounds of the street. Uh, I do want uh, you saying hi when you are meeting your subject. You know, I do want that laughter. I do want the clinking of the teacups if you're drinking tea. Uh, and a lot of them are chattercasts. So, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that if we carve a niche for ourselves and also may, be meaningful, right, with the stories that we do, we will... I will figure out whether there's competition out there because we really haven't approached too many funders yet, you know, because we've really been in the process of generating content with a very small team. Like I said, it's, you know, uh, there's only two people on the podcast team and uh, we do everything. We do 
ideation reporting you know and i'm post producing it and i and i think that's okay you should know everything before you get big um but uh, i don't know about the competition uh but i do see that i i really wish it was a more um, it was more of a space which was you know more conversational and and like i see that in the uh, public radio space in the us you know um i wish it was more like well let's collaborate a lot more and things like that that hasn't happened yet i i i'm definitely more interested in that more than you know the funding bit which will hopefully come if we do if you are doing the right things i think it will come and the story will make sense because we don't want to create a story you know what i mean like i don't want to like create a story saying that we are you know we're having impact we want to do this uh i want to really make sure i'm having impact one of the best ways to uh, we found to measure impact actually or perhaps the only way to measure impact is ask the audience you know uh or prototype a show that you're planning to do and then find an audience that that uh, you think would be interested or you know ask them what they like what they don't like what you should be doing more of what they should be doing less of we've we've which which is always a fantastic way of i guess you know measuring the effect that you have on you know there is after all a user out there that you're producing this for you know whether it's somebody who's being able to change policy at the government level or somebody but you know that's that's the journey we're all on you know in in media so that was anupama chandrasekharan from newsreel asia And that's a wrap for this episode of Spice Pink. If you like our conversations with people across the media ecosystem and want more of them, please subscribe to this thing. Better yet, share it with someone and get in touch. We're on spicemedia.com. Thank you.